Let us pray. God, your word says that you give wisdom generously when we ask for it. So right now we pray that you give us your wisdom, that we might know your heart and understand your will, and that we might respond to you, Lord, in faith in every way. So use this time for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you a story. Last night, uh, my wife and I were watching TV, and a UFO landed in our backyard. A green alien got out and asked us to join him, so Clancy and I got into his UFO, and we, he took us to his home planet, which was Jupiter, and he showed us around his hometown. We had dinner with his family, and then afterward, we got into the UFO and returned to Earth. But when we got back, because of the space-time continuum, it was only one second of human time had passed while we were gone. Do you believe it? <laughs> let, me, let me tell you another story. 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, Jesus. This man, Jesus, was 100% human and 100% God at the same time. While he was here on earth, he healed sick people, and he raised dead people back to life. And then he died on a cross. And if you believe this, he will take away your sins and forgive you. And he didn't stay dead. He rose again to life and is now in heaven. If you trust him, God's spirit lives in you right now. When you die, your soul will leave your dead body and be with Jesus in heaven. One day, he will return to set up a kingdom on earth, and when he does, your dead body will raise from the grave and be reunited to your soul. Do you believe that story? Yeah, so I guess my guess is that most of you believe the Jesus story, but not so much the UFO story. But why do you believe one or the other? Well, there's three reasons why you believe the Jesus story. One is that there's a whole community of people who also believe the story of Jesus. And there's a whole room full of them now, and we're singing about it, and we're gathered together for that very reason. So there's a lot of reinforcement of that belief. Secondly, you have your personal experience, that you yourself, when I say God's Spirit lives in you today, you say, yeah, I've experienced the Spirit of God in my life, the reality of this whole thing. I've experienced it. And thirdly, there's historic fact. And you could examine the evidence of Jesus' life and ministry and his death and resurrection, and you can look at all the evidence, and you take the community of faith, your personal experience, and this evidence together, and you believe. You, most of you don't know a community of people who have been on UFOs. You have never experienced it yourself, most of you. And... You also, there's not a huge core of evidence to support belief in UFOs in general, or my ride specifically. So, but if you didn't know anybody who had faith in Jesus, who believed the Jesus story, and if you had never really examined the evidence yourself, I would argue that those two stories are both very unbelievable. They're very hard to believe, uh, whether, whether it's true or not. Um, but you have those three things. You have the community of faith, your personal experience, and the facts, the evidence. Which of those three is the most important? Now, 
you might say, well, the, obviously the facts, the evidence, if it's true, it's true, and I'll believe it. But I'm not sure if that's the case, because with my UFO, if I told you, I said, hey, actually the UFO is still in my backyard, after church, let's walk over to my house, I'll show you the UFO. You're not going to waste your time coming over my house. Although, because I'm compelling and I'm saying this very publicly, maybe you're like, well, let's just go see what he has. You know, let's, what is this about? And if you went into my backyard and there was actually a UFO there, you would look at the evidence and say, what is this? I say, it's a UFO. I told you. No, no. Where did you get it? What is it really? I mean, how did you build? Did you build this here? Did somebody bring it here? Did they leave it from Clown Town? Or like, what? What is this? You're not going to believe the evidence. But if there was a whole community of people, for example, I went to a, a party yesterday. I went to a graduation party. It was very fun. Many people there had a great time. Um, and if, if I went there and I told my UFO story, people would not, it, it doesn't make my story believable. What, why is JP telling the story about the UFO? What's the punchline? What's the joke here? But if you went to that party and I shared my UFO story and someone else said, hey, same thing happened to us. UFO landed and the green guy came out. We went to Jupiter and it was just like a second. And then somebody else said, we had that same experience. And everybody at the party had the same experience except you. You'd say, how come I'm not in on this? Some kind of joke here, something going on, but I'm not part of it. It, makes, it doesn't make sense to me, but you're very interested. Your, all those stories make uh, your, the believability of, of this event more likely. What, I'm, what I would argue to you is that this means, actually, that you have a very powerful tool available for people to come to know and believe the good news of Jesus. It's your story of faith. Your story can become important on somebody else's journey of faith or coming to faith. And the thing about your story is that it, it shows that, this, the, that the Jesus story is that it works. That, that the, the, the reality of Jesus for you is, is at work in your life, and you can describe that. And really, people it's hard for people to argue your story as you describe it, as opposed to just arguing the evidence for Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. It's hard to argue against your story because it's your story. We're looking at this text from 1 Timothy. So this is Paul. We call him the Apostle Paul or the, you know, God's messenger, Paul. Uh, and he's writing to his companion, Timothy. And he's encouraging Timothy to stay strong and to deal with a very difficult situation. And so what, what had happened was Paul had sent Timothy to Ephesus. So if you were here last week, Paul had spent a bunch of time in Ephesus, and they were having, um, he, he had to leave the city, and they were, he gave a farewell speech to them, and they're all crying, and they're praying, and they really loved each other. And he said, hey, it's going to be tough when I leave. And sure enough, it was tough when he left. So Timothy's there to help provide some leadership to this church. At the beginning of this letter that Paul writes to young Timothy, he reminds him, hey, here's my story. Here's what God did in my life, and here's what God's doing in the world. And it was a great encouragement to Timothy. 
And just like Paul's story was an encouragement to Timothy, your story of faith can be an encouragement to other people, particularly people who don't know Jesus or maybe haven't considered what faith in Jesus would be all about. So I want to take a look at that here. Uh, Before we do, credit to um, the author Sam Chan, who I was reading a book, he used that UFO illustration, so I thought it was, was compelled by that but it's not original to me. Um, But first, so Paul is sharing his story. Look at verse 13 here and 14. He says, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He said, look, I was a bad guy. And this guy, Paul, he really was a bad guy. Um, if you know his story, many of you do, he was, um, he was a religious expert. He was trained uh, like a Jewish leader. And when, the, when they were trying to stamp out Christianity, they were trying to wipe it out. When the very first Christian who was killed for his faith, he was executed publicly for his faith in Jesus, this man was standing there approving of what happened. And then he himself would travel around and look for Christians to arrest and imprison and, and torture and, and even kill, that he was, the scripture said that he was breathing out murderous threats. I mean, he was just out to get rid of this Christianity thing, this following Jesus movement. And then on one of his journeys, Jesus appears to him. As a, there's a bright light in the voice of Jesus speaking to this man, and it just stops him dead in his tracks, and it changes his story completely. That this man came to faith in Jesus. When Jesus revealed himself in this way, he knew that Jesus really was the Son of God. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah and the Savior of the world. And he spent, it totally changed his story. He then spent the rest of his life convincing other people that it was true. That Jesus was the Messiah. That Jesus was the Savior of the world. And he says, God's grace was poured out on me. Just totally forgiven. All the terrible things he had done, that the, for God's forgiveness was there, and he said, now I have the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Meaning, I learned how loved I was from God. If he could take someone like me who was so bad and forgive me of my sin, then I know that I am loved. Therefore, I can trust Christ Jesus. And, that, and he tells it, and notice how short this is. Basically, I was a bad guy, a violent man, and I received God's grace. In two sentences, he tells his whole story. And again, there's other times when he gave the longer version of his story. If you read in Acts 22, Acts 26, there's times, there's all kinds of different ways you can tell your story. But here's the very short and encouraging way he does this. But he goes on to talk about God's story. Look at verse 15. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. He said, look, this isn't just about me, but my story is just a little part of God's bigger story, and here's God's big story. Christ came to save sinners. Now, that's, a very, that's about as short of a way as you could describe God's whole story. I like to describe God's story in sort of four chapters. Creation, fall, uh, redemption, and restoration. So 
the first chapter, creation, God created a world that was good and perfect where people could experience the world, they could experience God uh, in peace and in perfection. But the second chapter is, is the fall, where people turn from God's way, they go their own way, they rebel against God. That is sin. Sin enters the world, and the world is cursed because of that, and we live in this cursed world. But the third chapter is God's redemption, that God promised to redeem and restore this world. And the greatest part of this process of his restoration happened on the cross, where Jesus Christ came to this world. He lived the perfect life that we could never live. He died a death in our place as our substitute. To, to for, it's the punishment of our sins that he took to give us forgiveness. And then he died and he rose to new life to bring us new and eternal life that we can live by faith in him. And that's the redemption. And then the last chapter is a restoration where God will finish all of his redeeming work in the world where Christ will return and all evil will be vanquished. And again, we will live in a perfectly restored and harmonious world in fellowship with God and with one another, all of God's people. That's that's God's story. Everybody's story of faith fits into that bigger story of faith. So Paul said, you know, my story is just about God's story. This is what God does. Your story of faith in Jesus is, is about God's redemptive work in the whole world. It's just one part of a big story. It intersects that. But that's important because this world needs God's story. This world is broken by sin, and people feel it and they know it. Whether they know that God is at work restoring it or not, they watch the news and they see tragedy and they see war and they see injustice and they see all the brokenness of this world. This world needs healing. This world needs a savior. You say, that's that's what God is in the business of doing. And this is what the business he's doing in my life to forgive me of my sin, to heal me, to restore my life. The result of the story, verse 16, he says, but for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. That's really the key verse. It's that this is an example. My life now becomes an example to people who also might believe because they're going to hear my story. They're going to understand what God did for me. I'm going to tell them what God's doing in the world and that they can be part of it. And God is using that all, and it's all for his glory. What about your story? You have a, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ... You have a faith story. And your faith story can be an example and an encouragement to other people that they might come to faith. Well, what's my story? How do I tell it? Well, your story probably may not be as extreme as the Apostle Paul. His story was, I used to murder Christians, and now I am a Christian. That's a, that's a, a fairly vivid story. But most people can say, look, before I had faith in Jesus was my life, and then after, and somewhere in between, God got a hold of my life. This is how I came to faith. So there's before, the how, and the after. For most people, the how is basically life wasn't working. Something was off. Something was wrong. Whether it was my own sin and brokenness, my failure, my shame, my striving and not achieving, there was something missing. I know for me in my life, I described that as before God got a hold of my life. I, you know, I was just 
trying to be great at everything. And, and that was going okay for a while until I started to fail, and I didn't know how to deal with my failure. And I just tried harder, and I just kind of failed harder. And now that God got a hold of my life at a very low point, and it changed everything. I don't have to be perfect because he's perfect. And when I fail, he forgives me and gives me his grace. I don't have the whole weight of the world on my own shoulders anymore. You know, that's, and we, we, we all have that kind of a story. Now, for some people, maybe you grew up with faith. Faith was part of your family system and you were part of a worshiping community your whole life. I mean, that, but you still have a story. At some point, you went from this inherited faith, this kind of a borrowed faith from your family, and it became your own somehow you realize that you yourself needed to put your faith in Jesus Christ uh, for yourself. And that's your story. And if, but the question then is, okay, if we all have a story as people of faith, why don't we share it? Is it because I just don't have opportunity to share it? And nobody to tell it to? Maybe. You know, I do know people who work, you know, fairly isolated. They work for themselves. I was talking to somebody who said, you know, I don't really interact with people other than my family most of the day. I do my work. I have work meetings, but we don't, they're all online. We don't actually interact with each other. We don't, we don't care. We don't ask about each other's family and do that sort of thing. We do our business, the meeting's over, and you log off. I actually love those kind of meetings, by the way, like a Zoom meeting, because you do your agenda and you can end the meeting with one click. It's like, End meeting. Click, and everybody's gone. And you just get on with, uh, you don't need to, let's stay behind our computers and small talk into our cameras. Like, nope, meeting over. I love it. But most of us, I would say, (laughs) whether you like that or not, most of us have interactions with other people who don't know Jesus, who we could share our story with. And we should share our story with people who do know Jesus, too, actually. But we have those opportunities. Really, the issue is more an issue of conviction, that we don't think it's all that important. Or maybe I feel like my story isn't that big of a deal, so you know, what difference would it make? Sometimes it's an issue of fear. You know, oh, I want people to know Jesus. I want people to know my story, but I don't want to... I, I also want to be liked by people. I don't want to ruin this relationship by bringing this part of me into it, because that could create tension. That could, they might think it's weird. You know, maybe it's just a risk of, what if I get asked questions I can't answer about faith? You know, I have my faith story, but I don't know a lot else. And I think those things can hold us back. My encouragement to you is to just try it. Just tell your story. You've got a story to tell, and it's a good story. Because um, it fits into God's beautiful story of, of redeeming a world that's broken in sin. Um, one place you could start is by asking somebody else to tell their story. Hey, how you doing? And, and you mean it? Or what's your story? People, people, will off, people love to talk about themselves. I don't know if you know that. And they'll open up. Even to a stranger who shows genuine interest, people will talk about their life. And, and as you listen to people, you can hear in their story where God's big story might actually impact them or could bring healing to the brokenness. Everybody experiences the sinfulness and the brokenness of the world in different ways. And you can listen for those points of connection. Uh, St. Augustine said, the human heart is restless until it finds its rest in God. 
Until people find their rest in God, you will, when they tell their stories, you're going to hear that restlessness, and you can listen to that. But eventually, if you take interest in someone's life and they're telling their story, and you're listening, um, they will naturally be interested in your story. So often, someone will ask you, oh, well, what's your story? And the door is wide open at that point. Or you could ask permission to share your story. Hey, I'd love to tell you sometime. You know, let me know if you'd ever want, want to hear my story. I'd love to tell you sometime. Sometime, not right now. It's sometime. Perhaps the door could open up. The other two things are prayer and practice. You know, pray for people. Pray for opportunities to share your story. Uh, some of you are using that prayer map and you're praying for people in your life. Use that. Keep praying for opportunities. See what God does with that. And then practice. You know, in, in the small groups this week, we're asking small groups to, who are studying along with us to share your stories with each other. Give the short version. You know, it's just a, a, how would you describe it in two sentences? Or how would you describe your story in, in three minutes? You know, and, and just get used to sharing it. And then it just becomes part of your way of, of talking and perhaps an opportunity will open up. As we accept God's great invitation that we as people of faith can be part of other people's story. Your story can become a really powerful part of somebody else's journey to come to believe the truth of Jesus. But the reality, you know, the research shows that people who don't have faith, again, everybody's story is different, but in general, the average, that someone needs to hear the good news of Jesus nine times, or like part of the story of Jesus nine times before they come to faith. On average, it takes five different people sharing the story before they come to faith. And on average, two years of, let's say, incubation before they come to faith. Nine times five people, two years. I mean, the, the invitation for us is, would you be one person, you know, one story on that journey of someone else's faith? Some people come to faith right away. Some people take much longer. But would you accept that invitation? Uh, last thing, today I realized that um, some of you may be sitting here and say, I actually don't have a story of faith. I don't have a story of how Jesus has changed my life that just hasn't happened yet. But I might want a story. To you I say, let's go. Let's do this today. Your story can change today if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And perhaps you're here, you're surrounded by a community of people who believe this story, whose lives have been changed, and your life can be changed today. Uh, You could just pray, just pray with me. Let's do this today. Let's pray right now. Father God, we, I I pray that you would uh, change my story, that you would um, bring me out of this, the way I've been trying to do it, Lord. It's not working, and I except by faith that you have provided a way through Jesus. I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you that he died on that cross for me. I thank you that he gives me new life. I want that new life, and I receive it by faith. Be the Lord of my life. Come in and change my story that I might live now, not just for myself, but I might live for you with all my heart, Lord. We thank you that you are a good God who loves, who changes stories. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.